Now then, welcome to the Midlife Film Catch-Up, a podcast where we catch up on films that we've never seen before at this point in our lives, midlife. I'm Sam Turner, and this is my contemporary, Chris Jenkins. Yeah, contemporary, yeah, like that. Does it does it always have to begin with C? Um, it more often than not begins with C, but that's just a coincidence. That's the nature of the English language. Yeah, it must be. It must be. Yeah, yeah. there's a pattern. There's a pattern there. Um, yeah. Do you just want to? Do you just want to introduce yourself by maybe giving your um, thoughts on the natural world? The natural world. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean that's a hot topic, isn't it? Really, where, where do you stand with computers and? Things like that, would you say they're part of the natural world? Cars? Probably not, no. Because they are created from nature? Everything. Everything is. Everything is created from nature, so it's a conundrum. Yeah, it's a head-scratcher. It's a head-scratcher. It's a, it's a, head, it's a thinker. Get, get Brian Cox on. What, from Succession? Uh, the other one, the one from D-Ream. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. will do. Each week we watch a film that is new to us, starting from the year we were born and running chronologically through to the present day. Before the recording, neither of us know what each other thinks of the film. Well done. So, we've got a lot to get through this week, Chris. Episode 14? By your count, yeah. 19... 96 we'll um talk about our lives in 1996 towards the end of the pod um but did you just did you just shorten podcasts then yeah let's call it pod yeah it's a good idea it's good i like that that'll catch on um so this pod we've got a lot we need to speak a lot about last week's pod because in last week's pod um we covered a film that is held dearly by a lot of people. Is that? Yeah, it was almost fair to say. And from the writings this week, it's been the most controversial episode yet. Mm. Um, For such a, in my eyes, for such a tame film, when we've been choosing such interesting choices, this one has been the one that's got the most writings. I think, yeah. And I think that speaks to what we covered last week about it. Um, meaning a lot to people because they've watched it at a certain point in their lives, I think. Well, what writings did you have? Um, well, two... So, Kevin Gatons, who I mentioned in the last podcast, was nothing short of apoplectic. Apoplectic? Apoplectic? Yeah. Apoplectic, yeah. He was, like, you know, like, spittle was coming from down the phone, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He He thought we didn't... He thought we missed the point. Um, he thought that our criticisms of the film were conscious decisions by the filmmaker. So he thought that they were meant to come across as, you know, pseudo-philosophers and it's meant to be a little bit cringy because that's, that's that's where that... That's how he was presenting their youth. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think um, another listener, a young man called Tom, um, 
who lives in Liverpool, he sort of concurred with. He was he was less annoyed. He enjoyed the podcast, but um, he kind of had the same sort of viewpoint. Is that Tommy T. Thomas, mm, mm-hmm. a young man, and and he he concurred with Kev's point of view. I mean, he he didn't know Kev's point of view, but he sort of said, "Yeah, I think they're supposed to come across like that." Yeah, maybe they were, maybe they were, but yeah, is it is it is it watchable? Is it? Yeah. Did did you have a writing from a young lady from Vienna? Um, yeah, so she didn't really pass comment on the on. I'm a, a bit worried that she listened to it up until the point that I called Vienna boring and then was annoyed and stopped listening to it. Um, is, she, is she from there or does she just live there? She just lives there. Hi, Laura. A uh, new, a new um, convert to the podcast. I guess she would be a no. I guess even if she's only just moved there, she'd still. She, I'm guessing she likes it if she lives there. Ten years. She, yeah, I think she's lived there for about ten years. She probably quite likes it in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we had a writing from a young man called Liam, and um, I, 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 I see Liam as a bit of a romantic. All right. So I thought he was going to go down the Geordie Kev route, but he um, concurred with us and thought it was absolute pseudo-intellectual, pretentious BS and overly earnest. I cringed. And when did he watch it? This is when he watched it. He watched it originally, aged 22, two weeks after starting a whirlwind, a whirlwind romance overseas. And so it hit all the right spots. I watched it again a decade later and thought it was absolute pseudo-intellectual pretentious BS. Interesting, right? Wow. And then we had a discussion about why does he love Reality Bites and not this. And he said, Reality Bites age as well because it's about, it is about youth. But what is in focus is a sense of cynicism and disenfranchisement, um, which is kind of pretty different, really, to... The opposite. To the opposite to what we saw in Before Sunset. But um, I do want to address the amount of write-ins we had. So, stop telling, Are you going to stop telling people to write in? Uh, no, no, sorry. Please, like, please do. Uh, keep them coming as much as you want. Do write but, in. Um, do write in, yeah. But um, I think it's... I, I think it's not just because of the film. It's not just because of the nature of... I think it's because that's a popular film. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. Which, which, which people have seen without having to watch. So that's I think that's why we had a lot of writings, which made me think, should we just choose well-known films each time? But then that's not what this is about. No, no. I mean, but, it also gives us license to talk any old rubbish about any of these films that we see and we're not going to be held held to account because people haven't seen them no that's that's a good point i mean and and we're we're bloody minded people you're you're you've got nordic what's it that word you're like obsentious or something when when we watch Jackie Kurismaki. um obsequious Ob- no obsentious or something like that obste Obstinance. obstinance, you you've got the the, the Finnish obstinacy, and I'm mm-hmm. too bloody minded to to stop. 
So we're stuck gonna... in your old ways, st- stuck in your old, stuck in your ways, aren't you? Absolutely. So we're going to double down, and we're going to what make the films even weirder. Right. Okay. I mean, you don't know what my choice is for next week. No, yet. I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I just that just came to me then. I thought it sounded good, but um, the 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 bottom line is we're not going to be all these people watching Mall Cop on repeat or or Batman films or superhero films. I mean, I see us a, a bit like the the Beatles of podcasting. Okay. In in so- in. in, in... So the, the Lennon and McCartney of podcasting. So you, you bring the sort of Lennon esque grittiness. You're a little bit more interested in the opaque. I, br- um, I bring I bring the angry young man sort of vibe. Yeah. Whereas I'm more the pop element. You know, I'm bringing mm. I'm bringing in before sunrise. You know, I'm bringing in mm. um, Repo Man. It's yeah. the, the melodies that anyone can sort of whistle along to. That's a good point, and you want everyone to have a good time, like like Maka. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And would you say Jimmy Cundall was Ringo when he appeared as a guest? Well, I think we have to have Joe as right. uh, George. Joe is George, close to God, the Quiet Beetle. Mm. And Ringo but... is my brother, or Jimmy Cundall, or is Ringo his shoes are to be filled by the next guest? host just to extend that metaphor with uh, joe he's also responsible for some of our best songs like ringo no 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 uh george oh right yeah 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 i mean you know my thoughts on ringo he's the best one my favorite beetle yeah Mm. i won't go into it now no but yeah i think that i think ringo's i think uh sort of maybe your brother's Ringo and uh, Jimmy is George Martin. Yeah, George Epstein. That's Easter. a film reference. That's a film reference for you folks. That's an Easter egg. Great stuff. And that's why we're here, guys, film references. So this week's film is Kids Return. We also had another write-in from um, Jordan Peterson. The um, clinical psychologist. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll play it for you. That's not what this is about. This is about freedom of speech and democracy and all those things are at stake. You're missing the whole point because you're so bloody minded that you can't see the wood for the trees. Cares to talk about one car why and... Alex Cox and the films of Bong Joon-ho and your midlife bloody catch-up. Well, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm not. It's just not right. It's not constitutional. It's about freedom of speech. Well, good for you, eh? There we go. Wow. I always forget that um, Jordan Peterson sounds a bit like um, a Canadian Mickey Mouse with a slight Northwest twang, yeah, that's that's he? a great way of putting it. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, uncanny, but yeah, good. Thanks, thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan.
So Kids Return is a film by Takeshi Kitano. It's the story of two high school delinquents who um, quit school to become boxers. The two delinquents are Mazuru and Shinji. Mazuru is the sort of cool guy character, whereas Shinji is a little bit more stoic. Um, it's a, and Mizuru is maybe the leader of the two, um, but it soon becomes apparent that Shinji is the better boxer. So it, this causes Mizuru to quit boxing. You've missed you've missed some stuff there, Sam. Sorry, I'm sorry to say. I, I don't usually go too far into the narrative because I uh, always come a cropper when I try and do that. Okay. Well, I'll just fill in the blanks. They do it. They're at school and. The bigger, tougher of the two. Is it Kazuro? Um, Mizuru. Or, Sh- or Shinji. Say it again. Mizuru. Mizuru, the bigger, cool. They, they basically shake down people for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're bullies. They're, they're hard, they're, they're hard youths, basically. But then Mizuru gets, uh, beaten up himself and, then his his pride takes a knock, and he just they, he just like on a whim goes to a boxing gym and takes Shinji along with him. Well, you've got that a little bit wrong. So he he sort of disappears for Mizuru disappears for a bit. Shinji doesn't really know where he is, and then he turns up at school one day and he's in his um, training gear, and that's when he takes Shinji yeah. to the gym. I thought I covered that that absence from school by saying his pride his pride took a knock. Uh, wasn't it wasn't explicit enough. Okay, all right. Um, Carry on with your prognosis. They. So I can't remember where I was. So Mizuru, so Shinji is a better boxer. Mizuru leaves the boxing gym to join the um, the mafia. What's the, you're what's not. The... You're not. You're not hitting the. You're not hitting the emotional notes of the synopsis here. Oh, I don't usually not... do. I don't usually do synopses this in depth. Um, I'm floundering. I'll be honest with you. Like Mizuru is the bigger of the two. He's the one who really wants to get into boxing because his pride has taken a knock, and they they start going. And then it's a base. It's a bit of a twist, isn't it? That Shinji is a better boxer. Mm-hmm. It's a twist, yeah. It's, it is a bit of a twist, which you kind of didn't really like. And and to be honest, I didn't see it coming. Okay, th- I'm into quick thoughts territory, and, and okay. you just called you just called them the mafia, but it's the yakuza. The yakuza. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, y- yakuza. Yakuzing me. Yeah, I thought I thought that's what you said. Okay, y- y- right, anyway, <coughs> yakuza. 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 Good, good. Got to get the pronunciation right for the Japanese listeners. And I mean, I, th- I think our our um, pronunciation of Mizuru and Shinji is very off, to be honest. They, I think Shinji. I think we're, we're 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 bang on the money with that one. Shinji. Yeah. Okay. 
and then and then he goes off to the yakuza shinji goes off into into the boxing world they both climb the ladder mm-hmm. in their respective uh careers and then again a bit of an ending that i didn't see coming which we could talk about later um yeah. let's talk let's talk about the ending now cuz okay um yeah so you kind of with this sort of rites of passage story, I thought that they were both gonna have success in their path, in even though their paths diverge and they don't see each other for a few years. And I thought they were both gonna become successful in those fields, and then there was gonna be some kind of conflict between them, where they had like their the boxing world came into conflict with the Yakuza world, like there was going to be a, a some match fixing or something. And then they were going to have to like, they were going to become like enemies, but then in the end they help each other out. And that it totally didn't go that way, did it? No. And it, yeah, and you, you may be led to believe that because the very, or the second shot of the film is uh, them meeting years later and one of them's looking for a job and the other one's delivering yellow pages or something. Japanese yellow pages. Yeah, yeah. So you um, think that you think they're reconciling because they've had a, like a falling out? That's what you saw. That's what um, your expectations are, isn't it? Yeah. But actually, they both climb the ladder in their respective fields and then fail. Both fail at it. Yeah, because um, Shinji gets uh, <laughs> Shinji becomes friends with a bad influence. Um, th- this guy was my favorite, yeah, feature of the film. Uh, yeah, Hayashi. Yeah, um, and he then, was very, very funny character, wasn't he? Absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we should we focus on Hayashi for a minute? Let let I just want to know your quick thoughts on the film, and we'll get into Hayashi later. So, um, I st- I wanted to view this film for a second time. The first time I watched it, it was in two sittings, which I think. Um, was to the detriment of my experience because I think it's this is my first experience of um, uh, Takeshi Kitano films and the very you, you're going into a whole new world with these films, aren't you? It's 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 mad. It's um, very charming, um, but I think it it takes a while to immerse yourself in that. I think so. I think stopping a film halfway through and then going back into it, it it sort of takes you out of it. Um, so the second time I watched it, I was enjoying it much, much more. Um, but I, I, and that's not to say I didn't enjoy the first viewing of it. I, I did, but um, it's it's my fault, not uh, Takeshi's. Um, but as a... is, that, is that because you, upon second viewing, you also got the subtlety of the humour a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it made me think of another film that we watched, uh, Shadows in Paradise, where you watched that a second time, and I think looking back now, I I would have much benefited from watching that a second time because again, it's a, there's a very uh, different tone to the film, and there's a very um, specific sort of humour to it as well. Um, so when you're sort of like trying to follow the story and obviously the subtitles and all that kind of thing, maybe you sort of miss out, miss, miss out on those nuances. Um, Sam, I want to know something. I want to know something. Shoot. 
Did you like this film? I did. I did like this film. Yeah. 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 I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I'd be up for watching it. I wish I could have completed my viewing this morning because, um, like I say, I was I was really enjoying it this morning. I think, I think so. This film, the, the my experience with the two um, comedians in this film correlates to my enjoyment of the film. So the the first uh, the first the very first are shot. You, are, of the film, are, you, are you talking about the subsidiary characters who are stand up comedians? Yeah, I think they're called Antarctica Fifty Five. They introduce yeah. themselves as yeah. Um, and so these, this is a, as a double act. They go on stage in the first scene of the film and they're just talking complete nonsense to each other. It's like coordinated it's, nonsense, qu- it's, fast it's, pace. It's, it's, called, it's called Manzai. Right, okay. So, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a form of stand-up in Japan called Manzai. It's very, very fast-paced nonsense talking with double entendres and puns yeah. and not understanding each other and stuff. Yeah, so I didn't like... That was... That's that. I mean, that's that epitomizes my experience of this. Like, it was like, what? What the hell am I watching? I don't understand why this is comedy, and I, I don't understand why it's funny. But then watching those two for the second time, um, I really enjoyed. Uh, well, by the end of my first viewing, I was really enjoying their performances. The the two the the comedy double act, Antarctica Fifty Five, um, and I'm sure by the end of the second viewing, I'll I'll really enjoy. The world of Takeshi Kitano. Yeah, I mean, well, I'd say they were meant to be bad comedians, bad at bad at manzai. Was it not they, that they were? They, were, they, they improve. Kind of... they, they improve a little, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, like everyone in this, like we should say for the listeners that this film isn't just about Mizuro and Shinji. There's so many characters in it, this film, isn't it? And each mm. of them have little journeys like those comedians like like there was another bully at school who gets into boxing later on he had a little everyone has character arcs in this film and they all have character and all of their character arcs are in ways that you don't expect like those comedians they start out as like pretty bad at what they're doing and they're kind of the the butt of but they're, they're themselves are the butt of jokes really like Shinji and Mizuro say these are like rubbish comedians and they try copying them and stuff. And and these comedians play to really small audiences, really unimpressed audiences. And then by the end, they, 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 they're doing quite well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're being successful. And then there's like other characters where you think, oh, they're complete losers and their character arc is that they're going to... Like there was that smaller bully at school who takes up boxing. Right. Uh, and then uh, by the end, he's... I don't know if you got onto this, he was in the boxing ring doing all really fancy, like, showing off moves. That that was the small bully from school. Right, I probably didn't pick up on that, to be honest. Is the, is the, it packs a lot in, doesn't it? It packs a lot in, so that's what I really loved about it, is that unlike Hollywood films and British films, you couldn't predict what was going to happen. It was Definitely. really, it was really um, unusual storytelling. Uh but and it was a like this. I thought the story was just like really, really good. We've watched a lot of films on this podcast where the story's been lacking mm. um, in favor of more experimentation. But this film had experimentation in spades and story in spades, and that for me is like 
lovely. And those two man's eye comedians did do you, have you read up on Beat Takeshi, the director? Takeshi so the, the only th- this is the other thing about this film I think would have um benefited my enjoyment of it. I think if I knew more about Beat Takeshi and if I think I I think there's a lot about maybe Japanese cultural mores. Mores. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Susie Susie Gage. Uh, what, what what do you mean? Why? Her her fella Jim Murray. Oh uh, yeah yeah. I, I thought you mo- were, I, th- I thought you were doing Mori. a shout out. No no cultural mores. It's like um, cultural um, habits, cultural traditions, cultural mores, mores wigs. Isn't it a type of eel? Um, Moray, Moray, yeah, no, that is it is a type of eel. Different word, diff- probably a different spelling. I think it's a homophone. Uh, it could be a ho- homophone. Yeah. Um, but I think different meanings. I'm not steeped. This might surprise you, but I'm not steeped in Japanese culture. Oh. I'm not Tom and Tash. I'm not. Um, yeah. You know. I'm not That's interesting because you and me have eaten in a Japanese restaurant in Liverpool. I've eaten in more than one Japanese restaurant in Liverpool. Really? I've wow. eaten in, in over over one Japanese restaurant in Liverpool. Wow. Wow. Um, I can use chopsticks. No way. J- just yeah. Wow. Just. How are you? Yeah. How are you with chopsticks? Um, I'm proficient. What's been your um? Lifelong journey with chopsticks. Um, I'd say I started out, started taking it seriously about age twenty, age eighteen. I started taking it seriously, and then I took the ball and ran with it. And have you always felt like they're a good thing? I think they are better than knife and fork because knife and fork requires two hands. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think, would, I think I they're much more that. advanced. Pardon? I would, I would challenge that. Well, we'll have we'll have an eat off. Speed. No, not not based on speed. Based on dexterity, skill, uh, number of things you've dropped during the meal, um, what you can do with your hat with the other hand. So you and me will go to Hibiki. Japanese restaurant on Renshaw Street, yeah. and, well, I, and you asked the waiter, the the extrovert waiter. Do you remember him? Yeah, brilliant, great. Yeah, you, you asked the extrovert, you asked the extrovert waiter for a knife and fork, and and I'll have chopsticks. Well, hang on, can I yeah. just have a can I just have a fork? I'm saying that a fork is equal to chop to two chopsticks. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to that. You've got. I don't. I didn't know that's what you were saying. Listen. I'm listen. I'm yeah. not anti. I'm not anti chopstick. This isn't an anti chopstick right. agenda. Um, right. Let's leave. That it sounds there. like it. It sounds like it. Let's leave that there. It sounds like a um, some sort of quest. 
Um, I can't remember what we were talking about. I can't either. You, cultural marais, you don't oh, yes, know a lot about yes. Japanese culture. So I think two things would have would also have um, benefited my experience. Knowing more about Beat Takeshi and knowing more about Japanese cultural mores that I think this um, film is perhaps lampooning, not lampoon, commenting on. Um, yeah. But it's gone over my head a little bit. Yeah, I think it is lampooning sort of the work attitudes of of um, Chinese culture and and class ja- attitude. Ja- Japanese culture. What did I say? Chinese. Sorry, sorry, our Asian listeners. I am not a racist. I've I've lived in China for a long time, so I should be better with that. Um, yeah, uh, they. Yeah, I think it's definitely lampooning class attitudes. And the work ethic of Japan, the conservative nature of if you just get your head down and work, you'll have success. This lampooned all of that. But that's interesting what you say about Beat Takeshi, the director. So this is the only Beat Takeshi film I've seen where he's not been the star of it. Oh, right. Okay. And when I started watching it, I had a little bit of panic and I went, oh, He's not in it. What have I done? Sam's not going to. Sam's going to hate it mm-hmm. because he's such a magnetic presence. He's just like very charismatic and funny, but also very hyper masculine and scary and a bit thuggish, but also right. funny as well. Okay. So I really recommend that you watch more of his films, especially ones with him in it. Right. Okay. Noted. The only thing I know about him in terms of his biography in this film, where this film comes in, is that he had, he had an accident um, fairly yeah. recently before this film, and yeah. there was talk of him um, throwing in a towel to use a yeah. boxing uh, reference. And when you watch his films, you'll see that because he had this a scooter accident and it paralysed um, half of his body, so. In all his films after Kids Return, he walks with a limp and his eye, his left eye involuntarily twitches. Um, and he uses it to amazing effect in his films. Right. Um, that's kind of what makes him so... Well, he was obviously a magnetic, charismatic performer before then, but that adds another layer of interest. Um, and... Yeah, he said that that scooter accident was a unconscious suicide attempt. He was wow. an unhappy person. And then he had the accident and then he thought he might never make a film again. So he made, so, you know, obviously he made a film again. He kind of, well, I don't know if he said that, but other people said he's finished. Mm-hmm. He'll never do anything again. And he was and quite d- prolific after after this film. I I think it's fair to say he was prolific before and after. He's just one of those artists who are constantly creating. Um, and in and he's definitely a Renaissance man. Like he does painting, he does tap dancing, he does comedy, um, he does filmmaking, television presenting. Um, he. Uh, he writes. He write. He's written some books. Uh, he acts in the f- in the films that he makes. He edits them. 
he's just a, a in, insanely talented person. It's it's interesting, and like you wouldn't expect um, that pro- prolificness, prolif, prolificness, Pro, pro, profanity, prolif, prolifanity. Proli- you wouldn't expect that prolifanity um, from this from the director of this film because everything in it seems really sort of considered. Like I, I would say with um, uh, Aki Kurishmaki, I could it. I would almost say it was slapdash Shadows in Paradise compared to this. Whereas this, I, yeah, you mentioned Maison Saint. Maison Saint? Miso Scene. Miso Scene. You mentioned Miso Scene last week, and um, that's something that I really enjoyed about this film the, the color schemes. Did you, did you mention. Yeah. Uh, um, the color schemes of the miso scene. Um, you got the blues, the blue versus red, picking out the red. And did you see? Did you notice in the um, the scene where they've been very much been high school delinquents, and that that teacher like has a crack about his uh, new car. It says you morons that shouldn't yeah. go anywhere near it. And then the next scene is um, him next to his bent out car with a, a red, a, a really bright red fire hydrant and uh he's wearing a, like a, a red shirt or a red suit under, underneath his jacket uh, yeah. that really pops um and it, that was very pleasing yeah there was a very deliberate use of red and blue wasn't there yeah definitely well like that's interesting i'd, I'd say in comparison aki kurishmaki is slapdash because mm. beat takeshi's films that are done with the miso scene is done with scalpel precision and the editing is done with scalpel precision. Everything is considered. Um, and that's interesting. Yeah, he is prolific, but the art that he makes, nothing could be further from the slapdash approach. It's like his paintings are really kind of, I want to say neat, neat and beautiful. And, mm-hmm. um, and so are his films. Yeah, and really? and his films, I I used the word hypermasculine to describe that beat Takeshi before. Um, his film, this one is probably his most accessible one. Uh, actually, uh, his his he makes a lot of gangster films, and they are hypermasculine, but they still got that miso scene and um and that comedy throughout. A lot of comedy. takeaways yeah yeah let's do it let's keep it keep it brief keep it on track okay um i mean i think i've sort of spoken to my takeaways already but what this has made me think is there's a common acceptance with music albums lps that um familiarity breeds love love um 
with films, I've never really seen it that way, but I think there's there is definitely something to be said for repeat viewing of certain films. Um it's like Bravo Two Zero. It it actually yeah. improves on every read. Um Yeah. yeah. And I'm I've never really thought that about I mean, I suppose I have subconsciously, but it's diff- it's difficult. As the older you get, the more difficult it seems to be to, you know, rewatch films because you've got less time and all that kind of thing. Um, but how many films have you watched for the first time in the last five years? Have you watched more than once? It's a good question. Um, the, the Square. I've watched that twice. Nice, nice. We Good. watched that in a cinema. In a cinema, I watched it again because it's just brilliant mm-hmm. masterpiece. Um, and I, I there, there, there's a lot of films that I watch twice. They're not often that interesting films. They're just your Hollywood fare, and it's available on telly. So mm-hmm. I just watch it again. Probably for me, it's. Uh, Less than five, less than five films. That's interesting. So this is this podcast is changing your bloody mindedness, your closed well, mindedness. Well, I don't. Know. I mean, I'm 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 saying some big, I'm saying some big stuff. I'm making some big statements. But then also with this podcast, I've said that I want to delve into Aki Kurishmaki more. I want to. I definitely want to delve into beat Kitek. Beat Katana, Katana Takeshi. Beat Takeshi Katana or Beat Takeshi. Uh, So whether I am going to actually follow through with this repeat watching ethos, I I don't know. Give me one of your takeaways. Main takeaway, um, I uh, I just loved the... There was was so many subsidiary characters and... um, you're, I think you wanted to mention the the other boxer. I'll leave that to you. But another subsidiary character for me was the the school classmate who they often see in a cafe who really fancies the girl, mm-hmm. and he he she he's really he's really boring. She doesn't like him, but he woos her with a steady job. He gets a steady job in a business firm scales company a a scale yeah that was a funny line wasn't it scales sales i'm in scales yeah (laughs) he went he he went into scales sales and there was kind of a glengarry glen ross scene where the where the manager was berating the the eight members of staff we got to hit more targets you're a bunch of morons who's going to come to lunch with me that was kind of, that was there were so many funny lines in it like just like he just he just had a go at everyone and then he goes right who's coming to lunch with me <laughs> it's like that's such a horrible place to work isn't it and then so so this this like lad he goes down the safe route uh he gets that job it doesn't and then there's a there's a work colleague there who says this is bs like like a, ta- a taxi driver would be better than this. Like you'd, you'd you'd have your own time off, work your own hours, and make more money. And the other one kind of nods along, and then the next, and then later on, they're both taxi drivers, and it's absolute <laughs> dog 
dog dirt. It's it's like the worst. And they're getting pushed by their manager to work more hours and go back out and stuff. And it's just really sad. And then the the guy who, his colleague who said let a taxi driver would be do better than this is saying something like, oh, he says it in a really funny way, something like, oh, maybe I wasn't quite right about this or something. This isn't that good. <laughs> and then the face of the other guy who's just followed him blindly into that profession. And that was just funny. Like there were so many characters and bits like this where so you know you thought he was going to be successful he chose the conservative work mm. option like which is so from what i've read this week that's really prevalent in japanese culture to always choose the safe bet always right. have salary man. Salary, salary man salary man yeah that's it salary man that's what they call them have comfort, have money, be stable, stability. And then that turns out to be a pack of lies as well. Uh, just a, a, a false prophet, a, 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 the wrong thing to follow. And this mm -hmm. film is just full of people following the wrong things. And, and it's kind of a, the film presents a bleak worldview, doesn't it? Like you kind of screwed whatever you do really. But although it's, and that's like all of Beat Takeshi's films. It's a bleak worldview, but um, there's so much humour for the characters and affection, affection for the characters. And it, but it do, it does sort of finish on a positive note, doesn't it? It says, um, it, I think one um, Shinji asks Mizuru, "Are we are we are we finished?" And um, mm. Mizuru says, "Are we finished? No, we're just getting started." So it's like I suppose there's you know there's optimism in there isn't there it's like it's a very short period of their lives as well all this takes place in so i think maybe it's saying maybe you know there's there is saying that any path that you take will just lead to disappointment um but then maybe it's also saying but life's full of different chapters yeah that was definitely an optimistic line and an optimistic ending for sure um i think there's something in that school had kind of washed their hands the institution of school had kind of washed its hands with them all the teachers were sort of calling them morons and they wanted to just get rid of them or if they were if they were going into school they didn't mind if they weren't learning or anything so then these other institutions the yakuza or the boxing gym they took them in they nurtured them and that was a kind that that was a better option for them there but then at the gym, uh, Shinji falls in with Hayashi. We, we meet Hayashi when he... <laughs> uh, Shinji is learning the basics of boxing and, and Hayashi's just like really understated, like smarmy, smarmy character that comes in and goes, are you learning the, why are you learning the basics for us? That's idiots. Just do it your own way. <laughs> then, then, then he, that's it. Then he leaves again. We don't see him for a while. Um, he, then, he, he was such a weird character, wasn't he? Yeah, really specific. Of, really specific and, and like doesn't look like a boxer. And like he just looks like a down and out. And then for half of it, I'm thinking, is he in love with Shinji? Mm. Is this going, is he going to, is he going to make a move on him? And yeah, he says, why are you learning the basics? Just go to the advanced stuff. And he teaches him dirty tricks, doesn't he? The, like, el the, el the elbow blow, yeah. 
the elbow blow, the headbutt. And that's no, that's the fu- um, that's the gym. The gym teaching the the headbutt. Well, I was going to say that's the funny thing about that. This boxing gym, like, it's, it might. I don't know if it's realistic or not, but they teach them the boxing gym. The trainers were teaching them dirty tricks as well. They were yeah, like, yeah. when when you go in and you're this close to them, do a headbutt or a, a elbow St- blow. Stand stand on the foot. Stand on the foot. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but this character, thing. what was the guy's name? Hay- Hayashi. He was so strange. Like he kept just coming up to this guy every now and again, teaching him like bad habits, and then like, and then kept taking him to. Uh, cafes and pubs to get drunk and eat loads of food and he's like it's okay if you throw it up again you, yeah, you can make your make your weight and there's just little things with him as well where he um he, he has like the weighing and he, he get he steps onto the scales and goes oh step onto the scales a bit quieter and you think that's that is so hayeshi like he just uh is just really um is just really unpleasant unpleasant character but in really like subtle ways and they say oh you haven't put any weight on it says yeah I'll lead a I'll lead a stoic life yeah he presents himself as like yeah a stoic and uh and 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 doing everything the right way but subtly he's doing everything the wrong way isn't he yeah he's a total bad influence by the end you think he's going to be like some sort of savior but he's like he's a complete loser himself but then on the other side of it the um the leader of the uh, Yakuza, the sort of Don character. He's he's like a really nice guy, isn't he? He's very um, fastidious with petty cash, which I, I really liked. Yeah, he was very generous. He was like, go out and buy me some cigarettes. And he would give uh, an, a money to them and let them keep the change. Mm-hmm. Whereas gangsters are normally presented as, I'll be counting the change when you come back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. That my second takeaway was um, um, a scene where th- that yakuza head goes to execute some rivals, mm-hmm. and um, he gives the gun to his number two, and he says, "Right, kill him." Number two shoots these two guys, kills them, and then he says, "Now give the gun to I don't know John." I can't remember who John's like a really low ranking uh, member. He says, give the gun to John. He gives it to John. And then the, the, the boss says, right, take that gun to the police station. Do you remember that bit? Yeah. And he says, uh, I've told, I've, I've told the family, so you better go on holiday for a while. He says that to the guy who's killed them. It's number two. He says, I've told the families. I think he meant I've told the uh, Yakuza families. I don't think yeah. he meant I've told, yeah, I've told the Yakuza families, like, I've okayed this, I've sanctioned this hit. I've told the families, so you go away for a while in hiding. Mm-hmm. And then he gives the gun to that really low gang member and says, and he says, right, take this to the police station. As in, go to jail for these murders. So he's taken a rap for his number two? Yeah, it, yeah, it just lays bare the absolute rubbish nature of being in organised crime. It's It's like another satirical comment like mm. they have a supposed code of honor you know yeah but he's like that that guy was just that lowly gang member was just in the office with him and then the boss the accuser boss gets the phone call and, and they say we've got the two rivals and he's like all right and he just picks that guy john to come on he goes john come along with me like he wasn't even gonna 
take him along. He takes him along and then gives him the gun, says, go and hand yourself into the police. And then later in, later in the film, he says, have you been visiting John? His name's, right. not, his name's not John, yeah. listeners. I'm trying to make it more easy to understand. He says, have you been visiting John in jail? Like, they don't give two, two craps about... But is it, he's asking... Is it, is it the same character that he's ask, asking about his mum and dad in, like, the scene before the shooting scene? Yeah, how are your mum and dad doing? And he yeah, says, yeah, yeah. he says, oh, uh, my dad's doing well, but my mum's a bit ill. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry to hear that. Because he's a nice guy. And then he just stitches him up for murder. Um, my other takeaway, soundtrack. Yeah. Um, I thought it, it, in places it was Carpenter-esque. Yeah. Would you agree yeah. with that, Carpenter-esque? Definitely. Um, it was definitely, because it was synthy and... I don't know how you say this name, but you know that electronic musician, one o tricks point never. I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's that's how right. I say it. Um, like this composer on this film was literally using the same synth that is in some of that other guy's work, one o tricks point never. Right. Okay. And and it was it was really great. It was at first it was really cheesy and of its time. I was like, oh, this is some pretty bad synth. But it kind of like, you know, the the compositions were really good. So, mm. oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. There was that shot of them running. Um, I think it was a cut that you saw them like at the far side of the schoolyard. So like one third of the shot was the, 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 the ground. And then mm. the top third was the blue, like a bright blue sky. And then there was like the, school build in the middle and they run along that and then there was, there was that synth track and it was uh, it was uh, a real um, act of triumph it was a real piece of resistance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. creme de la month. and the, there's also a, a, a band from Paris called Kids Return did you know this? no I didn't um, came across them on my research I've just started listening to them this morning sound pretty good Um there seem to be sort of city pop, um, in 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 influenced. Do you, do you, what's what city pop? City pop is like a Japanese type of um, pop music that's sort of eight, sort of cheesy eighties. Um, I'll send you some. I'll send you some stuff. Okay. Yeah, please, s- please do. Synth led big big guitar big guitar licks. It's uh, it's good stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah. Any more takeaways? Um, I feel like there was some socks. They kept robbing the socks. Didn't really understand that. Um, when? In, when they were being school delinquents and beating people up, they kept asking for the socks at the end. Because they were making people take their socks off to show that they didn't have money hiding in their socks. Oh, right, okay, yeah, okay, I missed yeah. that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it was interesting, I like, it was interesting how harsh the teachers were and didn't care about, the, the teachers were just presented as an, another gang, basically, weren't they? Mm. Like Jolly yeah. Jolly Boys Club. Jolly Boys Club, yeah. Yeah. 
It was basically a story of loads of different jolly boys clubs, wasn't it? I'd say, I'd say that is extremely accurate. Yeah. I feel like we can move on to uh, your section, which is ratings now. Ratings. Uh, so, Rye Smile Factor. Mm. Guess what I'm going to give it? Uh, I think it's going to be really high. Because Rye Smile isn't, you know, you wouldn't, you you don't smile wryly at um, a balls out the bath comedy like Dude Where's My Car? But I think something like this, you basically Rye Smile, there's a Rye Smile throughout, so I think you'd probably give it. Well, I don't know what your metric is, 25 out of 25 or something? Yeah, I'd give it, I'd give it, it definitely, that's what I'm giving it, 25 out of 25. Good, good. This is like pure comedy, but just wry smile comedy, not mm. not laugh out loud comedy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that, the, the wry smile on my face um, at Hayashi in my second view, viewing was uh, off off the charts. Yeah, exactly, exactly, definitely. Um, erotic rating. Mm. What it's do you think about this? Difficult one. Well, you had the synth music. You had the um, subtitles. Syn- synth what? Synth music. Okay, thought you said something else. What do you think I said? I, I let the viewers find out, listeners. Um, you had the subtitles, um, lots of different types of hairstyle. Yeah, good, good. So I guess that'll play into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a lot of homo eroticism. Mm, that's true. Yeah, I really enjoyed the um, gym scenes. I found the gym scenes very authentic really yeah. true to to my experiences of uh hashtag gym life right i mean they were they were they were almost database worthy would you say worth making a yeah. database on on it yeah absolutely yeah it would be really interesting to have a database of boxing films and then <clears throat> you you could sort of keep a record of how authentic the gym scenes were in the different boxing films for for instance yeah, there'd be more um, things in the database but That'd be good. That would be great. Yeah, that would be lovely. Um, yeah, I mean, homoerotic is a word that is bandied around a lot and overused, and I don't even quite know what it means. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I think people know what I mean. This film took place in a masculine world uh, where people there was no homosexuality. But there was a lot of love between men. Would you do you know say? what? I, do you know what I think they call that? What? Um, bromance. Bro, yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of bromance. Well, it was the central story was of a bromance, wasn't it? Mm. And there were like subsidiary bromances. Um, so erotic rating, and yes, it had subtitles. So that's a big thing for me. So. That just bumps up the rating for me. Um, Go on. So um, I'm giving that. It's not an erotic film, but just the mise en scène and the cinematography and 
the music it's giving you a delicious sumptuous experience so um i'm giving that i'm giving erotic rating of 3.5 3.5 out of and out of 5 that's out of 5 that's out, out of, five. of 5 okay um and and just Briefly, you mentioned there about your experience of boxing. What What is your experience of boxing? Um, when I was about 12, um, my brother's friend Rick Radge organised a um, street fighting session on the school field. Right. Um, he, he had two pairs of boxing gloves. Um, he was about six years older than me. My brother was four years older than me. I think he was a couple of years older than my brother. They were all into boxing. They used to watch the um, pay-per-view fights, um, the big the big fights from America. Um, I mean, you you're you're a bit of a fan of pugilism as well, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't follow it very closely anymore, but I I do enjoy watching watching boxing. Yeah. Um, and I got I think I can't remember. I was in the I was in the ring in inverted commas with someone and um I was very very nervous when I got in the ring and then as soon as someone punched me I just collapsed um but I think that was as much from the sort of nervousness as it was the the blow um and then my brother thought that I was having it I remember everyone stood around me I was looking up laid on the ground and they were like what's trying to figure out what was wrong with me and my brother's like oh he yeah, does have asthma might be having an asthma attack uh, was he saying that to get you out of it or did he think you might be having an asthma attack um i don't know i don't know Pro- probably to I- i'd imagine he was trying to get me out of it yeah like either way i was i was struggling in the um the world of street fighting as a uh as a, an 11 year old so you weren't just for the record. You didn't faint. I mean, that's interesting. That's interesting. It's a your your worst fear. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and what was your like? Have you ever been in fights and stuff? No, no, never, never been in a in a in a proper fight. No, apart from you know that 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 situation um but no it's something that i've always avoided me too me too never been in a fight nope how do you feel about never being in a fight because brad pitt in the in the film fight club says you can never know yourself if you haven't been in a fight i'm i'm glad i haven't um i've definitely provoked people i've kicked the hornet's nest Mm mm-hmm subconsciously done things to people who are a bit dangerous to see what would happen and it's come to something but then I've diffused it through quick quick wittedness right, okay. or you know so so no I, I never have I think I think uh, and I'm, and I, I think there was a part there was a stage of me where I was like oh I should have done that and it would have made me a a tougher person, mm. but I'm I'm really glad I don't think like that now, like that anymore. I, I don't think violence is um, really a, a pleasant thing. Obviously, no, no, me me neither. Intim- uh, intimidating people's good though, isn't it? Um, 
I, 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 I've, I've had a couple of situations where I've had to like switch it on, switch that yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Fifty Cent says, he can be your best mate in the most cuddly kind of world, but if he needs to switch it on, he can switch it on. Does what does he say that in one of his rap songs or? No, in in interviews and stuff. In interviews, he's like you know, I could. He's like, if you meet me in a different situation, I could be your like your worst nightmare. Um, and I'm not saying I'm street smart. I'm just saying there's just been a couple of instances where I've had to be act a bit tougher than I was um, in order to. I don't know. Don't which um, which mm. rapper do you think your personality is most? Flav Flav. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes that makes sense. Without a doubt, um, you're Chuck D. I'm Flav Flav. Yeah, I'm the thinker, sort of philosopher. Yeah, the planner, the mm-hmm. the organizer, the the, the philosophizer. The I'm I'm the I'm the court jester. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And you wear that big, big chair, clock. don't you? The big clock. Uh, well, it's not, it's not big. I wear a Timex Indiglow watch, so it's a normal size. Yeah, and it's on your and wrist, you, isn't it? And it's on my wrist instead of my, my, my body. And if you press a button, it glows green. So, yeah. would you say, would you say Rick Raj was the Don King of Brands Burton? Did uh, he have the hair? Did he have the hair? He didn't. He didn't have the hair. It was quite a wiry character. Okay. Um, well, well, you could say that Don King is wily, a wily character. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Quite a quite a magna- magnetic presence, like King. Could 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 Rick Raj pronounce his R's? Um. Was it like Jonathan Ross, like Wick Wick Wadge? Why? What's that got to do with Don King? Nothing. Do Do you think I struggle with pronouncing my ass? No, not not at all. That's not that's not why I said it. No, it is. I just thought with a name like Rick Raj, it'd be quite funny if it was Wick Wadge. Yeah, no, no. There was Rick and there was Gaz Gaz Raj as well, Gareth Raj. Yeah. Um, and they were basically my brother's gang: Rick Raj, Gareth Raj, and uh, Ben Kappa for a while. Ben Kappa. Mm-hmm. Capo de Capo, Capo de Capa. If you're exactly, familiar exactly, with the yeah. Costa Um Lovely stuff. Well, and my final rating is um, motif count. Yes. Um, what did you see? Any motifs? Uh, well, we've mentioned blue and blue and red. Um, Dave McCabe obviously says. Are you red or are you blue? Uh, Havana, Havana gang brawl on one of the on one of the Zootones songs. Yeah, one of the Zootones first album is the song Havana gang brawl. Um, and just tell listeners your experiences with Dave McCabe very quickly. Okay, um, so Dave McCabe once met him with the, some of my friends outside a club in Liverpool. Um, we had some sort. Of, it was when I was in a band. Uh, Victoria Victoria and um, someone said something detrimental about the Zootons for some reason even though 
maybe one or two years earlier, I'd actually asked Dave McCabe for his autograph in um, Resurrection uh, mm-hmm. Shop when I first mm-hmm. moved to Liverpool. Um, that Anyway, that became a bit of an argument. Dave referred to me as a um, munchkin. Yep. Uh, and then in my head that develops into a sort of long running feud, but I don't think Dave, I don't think I'm really occupied much of Dave McCabe's uh, mental space, mental space after that. Um, but then I met him a few years later and uh, someone introduced me to him and he says, yeah, oh, I've met Sam before or something. And then I winked at him thinking that this long running feud was still going on. Um, Why did you wink at him if there was a feud going on? Like a cheeky wink, like you can imagine when Robbie Sorry, Williams was... I've got to say, I've never understood winking. And people who wink should be put against a wall and shot. I mean, it was out of character. I hardly had winked before and I've very rarely winked since. Were you trying to provoke him? I think I was nervous because... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I this, think so. This, this interchange a few years prior was probably forefront of my mind thinking this guy thinks I'm a munchkin. I've had some sort of argument with him, but I don't, I don't think he really remembered. And since what, then, what, I've sw- what, what, what happened when you went to him? Uh, I don't think he probably just thought I had a twitch or something like beat Takeshi. Yeah. Yeah. He thought he had a scooter accident. <laughs> he just, he probably just thought, Oh, this guy loves beat Takeshi. So he's pretending to have a twitch. Unconscious. He probably just thought he's done an unconscious suicide attempt on a scooter, or Maybe. probably on on one of those voice scooters that you get in Liverpool, the, the scooters that you rent. Yeah, this is about fifteen years before then. But maybe McCabe had watched Kids Return uh, in nineteen ninety six, written Havana Gang Brawl, and then met me. Think this guy thinks he's beat Takeshi. I like beat Takeshi. Maybe. Maybe maybe he's actually all right because after that incident, the winking incident, um, every time I spoke to him, he's been absolutely fine. And I saw him in the street the other day and said hello, and he said hello as well. The other I mean, day, the, yeah. The, I mean, the most likely scenario is that he, he has no idea who I am. But he said hello back to you. Is that that might just be because he's a friendly guy, or maybe he does know you? Because you I know, think I was. He, I think I was staring at him because I thought he was someone else, and then I realised it was Dave McCabe, so I kept staring at him, and then he, he said, "All right." So it's intimidation again, isn't it? Well, what he he was being intimidating by saying, "All right." No, no, no one has been intimidating. No, you you've you've said that you think he's quite a nice guy underneath all the the brusque nature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can't discount him listening to this podcast. No, we can't. I, I I got stuck in a very small toilet with him in the attic above Studio Par Street. Is it Par yeah. Street Studio? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was he was in deep conversation, deep animated conversation with another gentleman in the toilet. Um, very loud volume, like really loud aggressive volume, and I just wanted to get get in and get out as quick as possible. But it was such a small space; it was quite awkward. You're right. Yeah, and then I saw him in the Reader Cafe um, about a year ago with his—I don't know if it's his partner, but with his partner and kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, no, hopefully he's doing, he's doing all right. He looked well when I saw him. Yeah, and he was just queuing for like, you know, pan au chocolat and a cup of tea, like a normal, regular human being. Yeah, well, yeah. He's, um, he's written some amazing songs, but at the end of the day, he's, uh, he's, he's just a human being who enjoys a pan au chocolat, like you and he's me. Got to, he's, he's got to eat. He's got to eat, yeah. I, just for disclaimer, I don't know what he bought. I don't know if he, what he did buy. You don't know if it was a pan au chocolat? Nope, I just made that up. I'm sorry. What are the breakfast options at the Reader Cafe? Uh, was it breakfast time or was it mid... Was it between... I think it was brunch brunch time, like 11. So this, he could have had... This story is unravelling. Are you sure it was it, Dave McCabe? Oh, 100%, yeah. Okay. 100%. Um, yeah, it could have had a pan au chocolat, a croissant. Um, he could have had... They've got a little hot oven with pasties in. He could have had a vegan pasty with pepper steak, vegan pasty. It's delicious. Mm. He could have had a regular Cornish pasty. He could have had halloumi salad. The sandwiches there, he could have had ham salad, salt and pepper chicken, um, cheese and onion. Really bad sandwiches at the reader. Um, he could have had a bowl of scouse for £8. I really recommend that. I imagine that's what he got. I no, I don't. I think that's two on the nose. Yeah, no, fair enough. Because he's a bit like beat Takeshi. He wants to. He doesn't want. He doesn't want to be predictable, does he? No, and you know he's he's the most scouse guy ever. For him to sit and eat scouse, it would be too laughable. Mm. I mean, he probably village. does. That. He would at home, but I don't think he would in public. Okay, well, shall we go on to what we would do as the um, protagonists? Yeah, yeah, you go You go first. Um, so I'll choose um, Shinji. Yeah. I'd, um, I'd not hang out with Hayashi because he's obviously an absolute fruit loop. Um, and I think that would probably lead to a really successful boxing career. Um, I'd stick with a gym. Some people, you know, once they make it, they, they go to different gyms, more high-profile gyms with different trainers. I'd stick with, I'd stick to my roots. Those guys were uh, teaching me a lot. Uh, I respect them. I like the vibe of the gym. Um, even in that mm. film, I was giving tips to the the newer kids in the gym. Uh, my peers from high school, so I think there's a, future for me there as a as a trainer myself mm-hmm. so would you do anything to modernize the gym would you set up a patreon would you do behind the scenes videos subscription model like people could see how the gym was going and stuff um i'd want the gym to keep its authenticity so i'd be a bit worried about that really um you wouldn't you wouldn't want to go down a social media route no 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 keep it traditional like golden gloves which is which is that what's that one golden gloves i think it's a liverpool one yeah 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 I'd keep it like golden gloves yeah or the flory the flory used to have boxing 
back in the day. Trade mm. boxing training. Yeah, and I'd maybe get um, Timo Tierney to do um, t- guitar. T- Tierney. Timo Tierney. Timo Tierney. I mean, he might listen, so probably good to get his name. Timo from... Um, from I, um, Don't worry, don't worry. I don't think he does listen at all. Timo but... from the T Street Band would do guitar lessons in my gym. That would be nice. Yeah. Would you charge people for that? Would it be guitar lessons in Japan? I don't know about the mores. Um, he, he, Jim Moray plays guitar. Yeah, maybe he can do them though. Shout out to Jim Moray. Shout out, yeah, shout out Doug, uh, Jim Moray, shout out. Would you do some kabuki theatre in the, or man's eye comedy in the gym, or Kyogen, or no theatre? Kabuki theatre. Paint the face white. Um, Yes. With, with Timo, yeah, with Tim, and Timo and Dave, Dave, you know, Dave would Dave be welcome McCabe. to join. Yeah, yeah. I'd want to bring in as many cu- traditional Japanese cultural pastimes as possible, basically. Mahjong into Mahjong is Chinese. Sorry, that's not welcome at the gym then. No. Yeah, Kabuki, Kyogen, no theatre, um, pachinko, that like that like pinball thing with all the ball bearings. Yeah, yeah, get some of that in. Yeah, maybe yeah, that'll pachinko. be on that. It, there's like a mezzanine level to a lot of gyms, isn't there? Um, yeah. So pachinko on the mezzanine. Would you do like dance arcades? You know where people dance and like hit the pads on the on that. No. Nope. No. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Why not? <laughs> um, because I think that crops up in too many films as a as a uh, easy way out. As a, as, yeah, an easy, as a shorthand for like Japanese. Use use it's people bo- people bond on those machines, don't they? And I don't want pe- I don't want people bonding on those machines in my gym. You want boxing to be taken seriously. Hence yeah. the pachinko machines. Kabuki theatre, no theatre, Kyogen. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. Good. Well, that. Anything else? No, that's it for me. What would you do as a protagonist in this film? In this film? What 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 city do you think it was? Osaka? Was it Osaka? Yeah, was it? Do you reckon? I think so. I think so. Listen, I've got a script. I've got um, a paused shot of it on my telly here and I think that that boxer oh no it's gone off had Osaka written on his um on his robe so let's say Osaka and um can you see Mount Fuji from Osaka um I'm not very familiar with Japanese mores and I'm less familiar with Japanese geography a Japanese gym more yeah, good. <laughs> when I like, because you know, there is a theory that I, I was talking to Emma about. Like when I lived in Hong Kong, there was always a Chinese version of your mates, and and then 
And then Emma was like, oh, yeah, when I was in India, there was always like an Indian version of people you knew. You just right. see them, you're like, oh, my God, that's damn them, but from another country. Mm, that's interesting. So there will, yeah. there will be, there'll be a Japanese Sam Turner, a Japanese Chris Jenkins. Yeah. Um, was, there any, was there anyone in this, in this film that reminded you of me? Probably that that bad influence boxer. Yeah, yeah, he or she. He or she, yeah. a little bit. Or, or one of the man's eye comedians. The one with they the were doing stuff mu- about mullet haircut. Not just the mullet. They were doing stuff about aspect ratios. Aspect ratio stand up material. Yeah, no, I think when I do do my set, I'll I'll try and do it as a um, as a what do you call it? What do you call that type of comedy? Man's eye. Man's eye. I'll do it as man's eye. One man, one man's eye. One man man's one. eye. One, one man man's eye. eye. Good. Good. I, I'm looking forward to seeing your set. Um, no, I think there was a scene, you know, when they were on top of the rooftop at school, mm. you could very faintly see Mount Fuji in the background. Right. Okay. I wonder if that, I wonder if Osaka, you can see Mount Fuji from it. Um, but if I was a protagonist, I noticed they got around on bike quite a lot. Mm, Bicycle, yeah. Push bike. A bicycle. I'd say that was a bit old, a bit overly traditional. Right. Mm -hmm. I think you're in Japan. I mean, come on, it's it's bleedingly obvious, isn't it? Bullet train. No, Nissan. Toyota, uh-huh. Mitsubishi, yeah, Suzuki, car, car and bikes, motorbikes and cars. I'd invest in a Suzuki Swift. Okay. You ever, you ever driven a Suzuki Swift? Hatchback. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've ha- never driven hatchback. Hatchback. A l- yeah, a lot of bite. Very pokey, very fast. I've only ever driven European cars. Well, you're missing a you're missing a trick. You're missing a mm. treat. I'd 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 invest in that. I might get a Yamaha Virago. It's like a Harley Davidson clone made by Yamaha. Okay. Um, um, but without all the the um eccentric fault, faults of a Harley Davidson and cheaper to repair. Uh, maybe a Nis- Have you driven a Nissan Micra? No, no. Be- beautiful to drive. An automatic. Yeah. What? Are they? Yeah. Okay. I do like, I do like an automatic. Are you surprised by that? Uh, yes. We'll have to take you out. Who? who? We'll go to... We'll go to Arnold Arnold Clark at Brunswick in Liverpool, and we'll rent a Nissan Micra. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Take it out for the day. Go to go up to the lakes. Mm. Yeah, it's about Barrow Inverness. That'd be nice. Yeah, Ambleside, Kendall. Yeah, nice, nice places. Yeah, 
Um, and you know, as uh, yeah, definitely Suzuki Swift, Toyota. Um, what do you think about the Yaris? Toyota Yaris. What's your feelings there? Uh, I'll be. I'll level with you. I've got no strong opinions. That's interesting. You say that. Um, Emma's mum has a Toyota Yaris. Some I'd people. Cars are a bit like people's opinions of cars are a bit like dogs, aren't they? The smaller they are, the more annoyed a certain subsection of society are by them. Wait, you're giving away some of your stand-up material again. Go on, do yeah. do your bit about small dogs. It's basically the, the gist of it is people get very annoyed with small dogs. They often say they're not real dogs. If they get really angry, they refer to them as rats. But um, the gist of the joke is that why do people get so annoyed at the size of the size of dogs? And and what's your opinion? I, I don't care. I don't, you know. Let just let them be. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. Would that go after the after um, aspect ratio? Or I think or? the dog's stuff is much stronger than your aspect ratio material. So I'd, I'd open with that. Okay. I'd say. So you say hi, folks. Great to be with you tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, what's Can you that look thing at people small? in the eye. You look at people in the eye, don't you? You look when you, yeah. Look people in the eye, yeah. Ken Dodd said, "Play to the circle because they're in the cheap seats." Right. Play to the back of the room. Mm-hmm. Play to the back of the room, and also play to the people who are laughing. Ignore the people who are giving you the death stare, and just look at the people who are laughing and play to them, and then their laughter will spread. That's what I do at work when I'm doing my training. When I'm doing my training at work. Good, good. And so you'd say, great to be with you here tonight, folks. What's that thing with small dogs? What's what's all this about small dogs? Yeah. Well, should I not ask people what they do for a living first? Yeah, like Paul Smith. Mm. Wow, yeah. And then you what, can re- what... repeat it back to them in a funny voice. Yeah, you say to them, first you say, what's your name? Mm. What's your name? What's your mate, name? Mate, mate, mate. Fe- fella. Yeah, what do you do for a living? Uh, listen, Chris, we're... we're... They, 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 say, they say policeman, and you go, oh, busy. Oh, I can't believe it, we've got a busy in. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, I, let's move on then. Let's move on to our lives in 1996. So I'm 11 going on 12 in 1996. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of things that I just want to um, clear up, really. Sort of right some wrongs. I'm in danger of um, airbrushing some th- things out of my past. So this isn't really? strictly 1996, but... Um, well, basically, I was really into Warhammer. Okay. Warhammer 40,000. 
not a, lesser men would not admit that so I salute you this needs to be an honest document of our lives and I don't think I could live with myself if I'd left out that detail I I don't think less of you for sharing it and if anything I think more of you for admitting that have you ever danced with the devil Sam I, I, I have really yes yeah me, me and my brother we got into games workshop you're an orchid. I'm an orchid. You're an ultramarine I, man. I am an ultramarine. I mean, my thing was like, like my brother would always choose the better thing first. Like he was into the Beano comic book, so I had to act. And then I, so what Go am I left Dan. with? What, what, what's my thing? And I was left with Des- Desperate Dan. So he had the Beano, Beano subscription. I had Desperate Dan. So he, he was into the orcs and the ultramarines. What's left right. after that? I chose bloody ravens. Ravens, wyverns. Ravens. They were little rats. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, uh, could you get much worse than a rat? There's the gremlins. Do you have any? Was it gremlins? Gretchens. 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 Remember them? Yeah. What um, were Gretchens? They were sort of like smaller goblins, really. But listen, this isn't going to win us any new listeners. Well, it might do from the world of. Uh, Games Workshop, and they're very welcome. They're very welcome. Did you did you have the lead figures or the plastic? A mixture of them both. So I think maybe me and Jimmy Cundle got into Warhammer predominantly because we lo- we loved the painting side of it. We really enjoyed painting the little figurines. Me too. Yeah, and that's a bit more acceptable, isn't it? I think than the. I don't think we ever understood the game. We tried to play the game, but I don't think we were ever playing it properly, really. Yeah. It's basically Sabutio, isn't it? You flick it. You flick him. No, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. And you sort of flick him, and the, the first no. people to the other side of the board wins. No. You, but then you, there's a ladders. There's, there's a snakes, and if you you're, land you're, on a you, snake... You're pissing on the grave of Games Workshop. You're desecrating something... It's not that. That's not what it is. That's how me and me and Jimmy played it. You flick him along and then land on a snake. And uh, but then if you pass go, you get you, you get some uh, flock flock, which was the stuff that you used to create the grass effect flock flock. But see, what see you were playing it on a snakes and ladders board instead of the right, even the right board. Well, there was snakes. There was just snakes on the snakes on the board. Snakes on the plane. You dis you disrespected so much of it. I mean, I didn't play it either, but I didn't flick them. They're not designed to be flicked. Well, you seem quite passionate about the rules of the game for someone who didn't play it. I didn't play it. I didn't uh, like. Probably my brother was more au fait with the rules, um, but. I just enjoyed the painting side and playing with them. Yeah, Jimmy Cunnell's actually got back into it uh, recently with his um, okay with his young boy. I think there's nothing wrong with it. I, I, my my mum had a distrust of people who worked in 
Games Workshop and comic book shops. Yeah, there was a character so we... outside like that um, at our flat the day before yesterday, and he and he rang someone up to. Um, I've started a story, and I shouldn't have. Basically, we'll get we'll get a new radiators fitted. Okay. So the people who are fitting the new the new radiators put the old radiators out on the path. Uh, yep. They went for the lunch break. When they went for the lunch break, break I went out, and this like games workshop looking person said, "Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have these away." And I said, "Well, maybe you should make sure that's okay with the people who have, the people that you know, the people who have uh, removed them out of plans for them." And yeah. he says, "No, I don't, I don't think so." And then next thing I know, he's had them away in the van. That that is that is that is not in. That is not the character of a Games Workshop person. Totally mischaracterized them. That's what I, I mean. That's what I shouted to him as he was driving away. That's not the character of a Games Workshop person. <laughs> great, great. Um, yeah, I think I think my mum just thought like there was something a bit um, pedo about it or something about the people who worked in those places comic book shops and games workshop and i think it's completely unwarranted yeah right i think i think it could be further from the truth it sort of spilled over hasn't it into cex the same sort of uh it's the same sort of culture isn't it same cultural morals no i don't think so well maybe yeah same kind of work culture but cx they think they're really cool they think it's cool the way they open DVD cases really quickly and pull things off the shelves really quickly and put them. I once bought a um, Nas album from CEX and um, I got it home, opened it up and someone had put in a... No, sorry, I bought a Jay-Z album and someone had put a Nas CD in the um, Jay-Z case. Exactly, it says it all. They're too too busy looking cool to do it properly. Mm. Um, I well, no, I think they'd, they'd done that on purpose because Nas and Nas and Jay Z had beef, didn't they? And there was a there was a beef track on that album. Still matic, still matic. You honestly think they did it on purpose? I've, I've absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that they did it on purpose. They were they were trying to they were trying to become a footnote in the beef. <laughs> did you take it back? <laughs> no, no, because I, I I quite. Jokes on them because I, I really got into that album, Stillmatic by Nas, as a result of that. Good, 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 good. Um, RIP this week, um, Tina Turner and Rolf Harris. Well, this this brings me to my next point about 1996, uh, an, another thing that I have um, skipped over. My, the first celebrity death that um, affected me. 1996. No, it was in nineteen ninety-four. Uh, was it Freddie Mercury? No. Nope. Was it? I'll give you five five guesses. Was it a wrestler? I'll give you f- five specific guesses and no clues. Um, you've got to give me something. You've well, I've told me. you they died in nineteen ninety-four. Um, I'll tell you that they were. From the continent of North America. What what genre did they work in? The the genre of films. 
Chris Farley. No, but you, you're very, you're very close in a lot. I think of I've ways. got it. I think I've got it. John Candy. Correct. Well done. Wow. Uh, I remember vividly sat at uh, James Cundall's, um spec Spectrum. No, what he had some sort of James Pond. I can't remember what what the computer was. Atari. James Bond is a game. Robocod. J- for, yeah, Pond. for what for what type of computer? Uh, we had it on the Amiga, I think Commodore Amiga. Commodore Amiga, yeah, Commodore Amiga. Yeah. That's the one. Um, and I just remember being absolutely devastated that John Candy had died just thinking about it. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. And I'll be honest, uh, bar a few exceptions, nowadays celebrity deaths is, is largely water off a duck's back. It's part of the course, isn't it? it? You know, yeah. So many that we have to deal with. It's you know you can't get caught up in them these days, can you? You can't. I mean, last year was a slow year because, mm. as you know, I'm in a WhatsApp group where we keep track of uh, the WhatsApp group is called Tony Hart is Dead. Um, it was created when Tony Hart passed away, and. We keep track of all the deaths, um, but last year was hardly any. To be, wow. to, TBH, to, to be honest. To be honest, right? Yeah. But this um, year, it's it's all kicking off again. Absolutely, yeah. It's, you can't go a couple of days without a big, a big name biting the. Yeah. Biting the dust. Okay, so what about your your life in '96? I feel like we're run. We're, we're, this is a long one again. It is a long one. We were doing really well, and then we slowed down. Um, 1996 started at a school in Southampton so we'd moved down south I'd get the bus I was living on a in a really nice like a housing estate in Winchester called Oliver's Battery nice like the yeah, army it, pardon the army. Uh, what's, what does battery mean yeah I think it was something to do with the army and Oliver Cromwell mm. Um, but it was like where we lived was really hilly. So, um, and as I said last week, it backed onto a school field and it was just really idyllic and stuff. And I used to walk out of Oliver's Battery every morning and get on a double-decker bus and go to Southampton. And I started at a new school. Um, um, And then on my first day, I walked through the school gate and there was like a bit of a, a long sort of drive. And I noticed a boy behind me. And I kept on walking. And the boy caught, caught up with me. And he was the first person I met at the school. And it was uh, Christopher Barber. Uh, Babs. Babs, yeah, yeah. And he said, is this your first day? I said, yeah. Um, and then we got chatting. And we became friends. Um... um the the friendship hit a rocky patch at school. Okay. Uh, a couple of, a couple a few years later, um, I've already I've already settled all this with Chris. Um, I, I I I I I behaved badly, and not as a friend should. Were you trying to in, in, intimidate him? Always poking the hornet's nest. No, I. I. I eventually became friends with people. Chris was from close to Southampton. I eventually became friends with people who lived more locally to me in Winchester. Um, 
and I did the I I I I I, I acted without honor. They they a couple of them didn't like Chris. They didn't okay. like Barb's, and they were trying to create a kind of. They didn't want to hang around. They didn't want him to hang around them anymore. Um, and by some weird freak coincidence, one day I was ill off school, and you and Cameron kind of like ran away from Chris or said something horrible to him. And it ended up with them all saying, we're not going to be friends with you anymore. We don't want you to hang around us. And then I came into school next day after this big happening. And I kind of had a bit of a choice between Chris and those other guys. And I chose the other guys. Okay. And um, Chris had to like make new friends and stuff. So how long were you two estranged for after that? Uh, the last couple of years at that school when we were in when we were in sixth form and um, we we ended up living together after school in Hong Kong so things got back to normal again but um, right. it was a it was um, it was there were two incident two incidents of that when I was growing up where I made the wrong choice and didn't act with honour and. I don't think it was a good thing to do. I, do I was think... weak, weak-minded, basically. There's a lot more emphasis on honour in Far East cultures. Do you think that's what drove mm. the decision to move to Hong Kong? You felt like you needed to learn about honour. Yeah, certainly. I I needed to. I needed I needed to live by a code. Mm-hmm. You know, like in like, Japan, you've got the samurai code. I needed to live by the Hong Kong code. The Repo Man code. If if people want to learn about the Repo Man code, they can listen to episode two of this podcast. Good plug. It's good to plug your own pod on your pod, isn't it? I think so, because there's a lot of pods. uh, Tough competition, stiff competition. You've got Have A Word, you've got um, WTF, (laughs) you've got... um, Joe Rogan. Joe, Joe... Josh, Joe Rogan. Josh Rogan. So I acted without honour. Um, I, I, I've, I've, I've brought it up with Chris a couple of times to apologise, and he, he's reassured me I don't need to, which is nice of him. Uh, well, but, may I just say that you're very good at that, at sort of uh, apologising. No, clear, clear in the air, and I think you face up to things. Um, Oh, to, to clear the air, and I think that's a very good character trait, and a very honourable, a very honourable character trait. So. I, I learned that from the the code of Asian culture, of course. Yeah, and so me and Chris were friends when we got to that school, and we uh, we made a certain teacher's life uh, a bit unbearable. Mm-hmm. Madame Feo. Right. Okay. I'm getting French. I'm getting French. I'm getting French from that. Was she French? She was French. So Chris and I made there was a French teacher who was I think she might have been at our school on work experience. She was uh very young, maybe maybe not much older than us, maybe in her twenties. Um but she seemed like an adult to us, but she was just a, a she was young as well. And mm-hmm. 
um, he didn't have much in the way of discipline. Right. Okay. And we 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 kind of we we kind of made things we we acted up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not just me and Chris, but the entire class. And it was like, um, you know, it was like the last days of Rome, really. It was a hoot. It was a riot. It was, it was, you know, it was Dad's army stuff. It was, it was, Corporal uh, Mannering. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> it was Mannering stuff. It was. Um, you know, it was like, you know, Dude, Where's My Car, Galaxy Quest, Mystery Men. It was all those things. Rising Damp. Rising Damp. It was um, it was Some Mothers Do Have Them. Going Round the Twist. Uh, round the Twist. It was Round the Twist. It was it was Sammy Ad, Five Children in It. It was uh, Maid Marion. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. It was Hanging with Mr. Cooper. It was... It was Pugwall Summer. Summer Heights it, High. It was Summer Heights High. It was Saved by the Bell. It was Home and Away. Hey, Hey Arnold. It was Hey Arnold. It was Rude Dog and the Dweebs. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was Bebop and Rocksteady. It was Biker Mice from Mars. Bucky O'Hare. It was Bucky O'Hare. It was Brave Star. It was all those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she had a rough. We she had a rough time of it, and so I apologise to you, Madame Feo, if you're listening. And well, yeah, just just on language teachers, um, we had uh, Miss Matthews who was um, black, uh, visually impaired, and she, if you um, dropped a coin on the table, she'd she'd like identify what type of coin it was. Um, That's incredible, but she often got it wrong. Oh, okay. And when I think about it, the things that that guide dog ate, <laughs> the things that that guide dog ate. You would give it, you would feed it those things, wouldn't you? What do you mean? You and the other kids, you would give things to yeah. that guide dog you weren't oh, meant to. Man. Monster what? munch. Refresher bars, Highland toffee. Fags. Wham- huh? Fags, cigarettes, what? fags. You gave it cigarettes. Oh man, yeah, wham bars, nerds, nerds, um, dweebs, pops, dweebs, revels. What were those? Um, what was that stuff when it, it was like a dynamite, but it was yellow and it had, a, it had the um, licorice in it, and then it was share, but um, was it? Yeah, I know what you mean. There was a sherbet dip and maybe it was a licorice dip. dip. Maybe, yeah. Shall I choose the films for next week? Yeah, go ahead. Did you have anything else to cover on 1996? No. Um, just uh, that year was mainly school. And I think I said on previous episode, I, I acted up a bit at school as well. But that that um, that all got resolved We'll okay. delve more. We'll delve more into you acting up next week. I think. Yeah.
Okay, so three films, three choices for next um, week at my shortlist for 1997. So, Happy Together by Wong Kar Wai. A couple take a trip to Argentina in search of a new beginning, but instead find themselves drifting even further apart. Uh, 4.2 on rating on uh, Letterboxd. Still Lost sticking, ha- sticking with the Letterboxd, aren't you? Lost Highway by David Lunch. Uh, a tormented jazz musician finds himself lost in an enigmatic story involving murder, surveillance, gangsters, doppelgangers, and an impossible transformation inside a prison cell. You're looking at the best actor of his generation, Bill Pullman. <laughs> and thirdly, Hands on a Hard Body, the documentary. Filmmaker S.R. Bindler. Bindler profiles Texas contestants trying to win a truck by keeping one hand on it longer than everyone else. 98 minutes. <laughs> okay. Give me your thoughts on those three. My, all right. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on in this. Um, I've seen two of those films and I love two of those films. Happy Together and Lost Highway. Um Happy Together, I used to watch it during my second time in Hong Kong. A friend introduced me to it. Love it. Um, David Lynch's Lost Highway, I've only seen it once, but I really enjoyed it. And this is a funny thing with Hands on a Hard Body. A couple of synchronicities are happening this week. Right. Your friend of mine, Craig, um, he was talking about Hands on a Hard body, body to me the other day and he said that it was a documentary that Robert Altman wanted to make before he died. And I said, that sounds interesting. And he said, yeah, it's basically about touch the truck contestants. Then yesterday, Griff was playing with my phone and he opened Letterboxd, which I never, ever, ever do because I, I, I think it's rubbish. He opened Letterboxd and it just said hands on a hard body on Letterboxd. And then I clicked on back and it said Sam Turner has liked this film or wants to add it to his watch list. Mm-hmm. So I, I know what film we're going with. So you knew that coming into this today? No, I didn't know. I had no idea you were going to pick that for today's shortlist. But right. what I'm saying is right now I, I know what film we're going for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, And, and, I, and I could see your excitement when you were reading that one, that one out. Yeah, so the Robert Altman thing, and it's also Quentin, one of Quentin Tarantino's favourite ever films. Um, right. And there's a musical based on the film as well. Oh, it's going to um, be so good. And the third good thing is it's it's on YouTube for free. Oh, so, it's gonna it's gonna be great. Have you seen Have you seen King of Kong? No. Documentary. Have you seen Finders Keepers? No. Have you seen? Danger Park, or about the most something like that. Not no. Danger Park. What's the What's the American word for a lawsuit? Lawsuit. 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 Um, uh, I can't remember the name. But about a really dangerous theme park in America. It, it, it's it's part of that subgenre, isn't it? About documentaries about pop culture things that have really funny characters in them. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm looking, I'm I'm really excited about this one, and I think this is a good opportunity for people who've listened to this point. It's on YouTube. It's free. Do yeah. do watch it. Do try and watch it this week, and uh, we'll be covering it next week. Yeah, yeah. Do watch it, everyone. Please get involved. Please get yeah, involved. Get, get involved. Yeah. Um, and I think I know what the quote is, but I haven't. I've taken a scribbling note of it, but I, I, I can't actually read my own writing. I think we, I think we got two options. Something that I think is quite neat that I like is just wink murder. Oh uh, yeah, I just thought of another option actually as well. Okay, we've been talking about winking. We've been talking about the twitch that beat Takeshi has in one of his eye, one of his eyes. Um, and the other quote I've got is, "It was basically a story of lots of jolly boys clubs." It was a story of lots of jolly boys clubs. And, and what, what was your what, what was your um, quote? Japanese Jim Murray's. Spell G Y M. Yeah, and Murray's, as in however you spell Murray's. I really like that. Let's go with that then. Japanese Jim Murray's. Yeah, that that's that's one for Susie Gage, isn't it? I, I, I don't think she, don't think she listens, but this might tempt her. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I mean, she would have written in. No, I've spoke to her. She does. She she's listened to a few, but not not many. Okay. Shout out to Susie. Shout out to Susie. Shout out to Susie. Shout out to Elliot. Shout out to Jim. 